This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Well, welcome to part two of this conversation. I continue my conversation with these five amazing nonprofit leaders. Love it. This has been such a fascinating how this conversation is moving. Let me ask a related question when it came to the branding question. I think a lot of you resonated with the idea that maybe we need to rebrand as a sector. One of the questions I wanted to ask was, how much of a problem has it been from your experience that many nonprofits resist running their nonprofit like a business, which is translated as being poorly organized? inefficient, chronically underfunded, like what we're talking about today. How do nonprofits improve their business sense while maintaining their distinction, as Joan was saying earlier, about that secret sauce of being mission-driven? Tony, maybe you could kick this off. I think you want to recognize that you are running a business. I don't, I don't, I don't think you want to run away from that. I think you need to recognize and embrace that. It, it is a business. It's a social impact business, a social, social change business. You're running a business. You've got labor relations, human re- human resources issues, all kinds of compliance issues. You, you, you've got contracts. You've got a lot of you. A lot of nonprofits have customers. You know, so board. You know, you answer to a board. That is a that is a fiduciary board. Not hopefully not exclusively, but they they do have fiduciary responsibility. So these are all elements of a business. I. I don't think you want to run away from that or, or shun it. I think you need to embrace it, recognize it, and, and, and take it on. And a lot of what we're talking about is marketing communications. I was, I was thinking about you know, a lot of guests that I've had on, on, on my podcast. We're talking about you know, the perception. So just because we're in a sector that's labeled nonprofit, that doesn't mean you have to use that brand, that, that phrase, that word. It starts with a negative. I agree. It's a non. It's a, it's a not something. But that doesn't mean you have to use that to describe your work. You can describe your work in any way you like. And, and that becomes an element of brand. You're talking about brand, Rob, or marketing and communications. You use the, you use the phraseology that, that works for you. Yeah, so you're in the nonprofit sector. So what? That, that, you know, that, that is, I don't want that to be an excuse. You know, you just, you use the, you use, and I'm not saying anybody here is, is claiming that. I'm not saying that at all. But you use the you use the language, the the consistency of language that best describes your work for the so for the people who are supporting it now in all the ways we're talking about, from board member to to modest or small donor, and and that attracts new folks to your business, which is engaged in social change. Yeah, well said, Sarah. What would you like to add to that? I think I, I want to talk about the funding because I feel that, you know, actually nonprofit leaders, you know, we do so much with so little, right? We are extremely resilient. And I, you know, I just want this to be kind of like a call out for a lot of funders that make small grassroots nonprofits jump through hoops on, 
you know, the lengthy proposals, the reports, blah, 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 the overhead, right? Oh my God, why are you spending 1% more of that? What is, you know, that the 8% that I, I, I want you to, to, to spend on overhead, right? The whole thing with the branding of the nonprofit, right? Like the bad reputation of the nonprofit. People think that nonprofit leaders shouldn't be getting good salaries. And if we want, right? If we want us to run to nonprofits, we need to attract the talent. And in order to attract the talent, we need to pay just salaries, good salaries. And I feel that, you know, sometimes we as a sector also are our worst enemies because we're used to have these campaigns saying it's like 100% of your donation goes out of programs. No, we need to educate the people that the public to say, hey, the nonprofit needs to pay rent too. They need to pay for light and power and we need to pay good salaries and we need to have, you know, nice things too. And it's okay. So I'm sorry, I just focused on the funding, but yeah. No, that's okay. Well said. Couldn't agree with you more. Joan, what would you add to this? It's funny, Sarah. So I came from the private sector before I ran a nonprofit, and I learned some very important things in the f- private sector. I learned how to be a good manager. I learned how to run a PL. I, you know, I learned how to manage up to my boss, right? I mean, the list goes, the list goes, the list goes on and on. I get to the, the nonprofit sector. And to your point, Sarah, I remember there was a, a listing of, I ran an LGBT organization called GLAD for about a decade. And there was an article every year about the highest paid nonprofit executive directors. And you did not want to be at the top of the list. And at least one year I was at the at one at least one year I was at the top of that list. And not only was I a target, but all my colleagues were like, oh my God, thank God it's you and not me. I'm like, really? So when you do the most important work there is, it seems to me you should be paid fairly for it. But I, I, I want to take, take issue a little bit, you know, since when are businesses the ideal model? Like, I totally get what you're saying, Tony. Yes, there are elements of nonprofits that are businesses. And I think I brought some of that skill to my work running GLAD. But there are distinctly unique differences. And... And it is one of the things I think that boards of directors miss, that they tend to think it's like a business where the product is social good, but the, the DNA of a nonprofit is, is unique. And I would say it's unique in kind of four ways. One is it is driven by emotion and passion. Now, some for-profits, maybe, it is also not... To think of nonprofits in a hierarchical fashion is to miss the boat on where the real power lies. I think of partnerships as being foundational, whether it's a partnership with your board or your donors, your volunteers, your staff members, including those Gen Z folks who have just come in the door. And they're about courage, right, to take on the hard work work to have difficult conversations, whether it's with your adversaries or whether it's around diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
And it's about a different kind of leadership, right? It is a person who inspires and motivates. Now, a great for-profit CEO will do those things too, but it is demanded of a nonprofit leader in a unique way. So I think it's this very, it's one of the things I love about it, about, about helping people in the sector, because oftentimes they don't come as good managers. They don't come understanding the difference between a balance sheet and a P&L. But, but if they come with that, they might actually be missing this emotional partnership, non-hierarchical, courageous, inspirational leadership is demanded of those people, many of whom are sitting around this virtual table. Oh, well said. I appreciate that. Okay, Gail, what else would you add to this? A really interesting conversation on this topic. It's really important. I, and I want to underscore what John said, because I think the lessons to be taken from the business sector, but it's the, hier- the implied hierarchy and, and my experience, I run an organization that is advocates and activists and who are fighting for a world that is more equitable and more equal. And I think the notion that wisdom rests over here, you automatically, I would say as a leader, that would not be the best place for me to start. What I have found is that, look, people who join mission-driven organizations are in a hurt and they are to think that anything they're doing that is not in direct service of the mission is not in direct service of the mission, right? And I had one of my senior leaders of the organization say when we were building a stronger infrastructure for all the reasons to have a strong foundation, people have to understand that management isn't something you do at the end of the day if there's any time left. But to get people to understand and embrace that, I think there are a couple of things that are important. One is having a set of values that everybody buys into. That's foundational, I think, in a nonprofit. It certainly has been in our organization. I think the second is to help team and teach that what on the surface may look to somebody bureaucracy. Oh, my God, we're going to have a new policy for this, travel guidance and that, is in fact not bureaucracy. It's a way to save you time by streamlining all the running around everybody does to figure out how to get a plane ticket to New York. Right, it's to it's to smooth that process, and it will take time to build it. But once it's there, those things fade into the background, and you can do your job. And we found that that's that's actually been very very beneficial. The last thing I think that is an incentive, well, for the nonprofit sector, also for the business sector, is that the risk that is embedded in not having that strong infrastructure whether it's HR or financial management, is massive. And I think there's enough evidence about that, that there is some incentive to do that. Just to touch finally on something Sarah said, because I think the funding is tricky. I ran a U.S. government agency with a huge budget. This came up all the time. Two things came up as a major world donor. I ran USAID. One was, in many cases, we had to figure out how to ease the management burden on our partner. To your point, Sarah, we were funding organizations that then had to jump through 75 hoops or had to hire somebody to satisfy our requirements, which is kind of upside down. So that's that's number one. Uh, And we had to be willing to fund what people would call overhead or admin costs, which is, there's some disparaging connotation there. I think the way to, to frame it to donors and others is help us build this organization. 
you can be part of achieving the mission, but you can also be part of building something that will be a feature of the landscape going forward. And I think we've got to pitch it that way. And I think, I mean, I think there are a fair number of, say, philanthropic institutions that understand that now. But I think, again, I don't want to reduce it all to branding. I think admin and overhead, deadly, deadly, deadly. Who wants to put money in that? Yeah. Uh, Showtime at MTE, not only that was put into marketing, public relations, and visibility. And boy, those senior executives, they loved their media clip files. It was, it was really important. And when we think about overhead and we think about marketing and social media and, and media relations, those things are, are, are considered to be overhead luxury items. When in fact, the bottom line is, if people do not know about you, you cannot build an army of engaged people who are, who are ready, willing, and able to do the work that's required to make the change you see. And what, what's interesting is that a lot of what we're talking about is elemental to, to business. And that, that's why I was saying, you know, we're a social change business. We're, we're a social impact business. You know, like we're talking about having policies for getting a ticket making it efficient. I mean, that, that businesses do that and, and branding and, and marketing and PR and, and relationships and encouraging investors. We call them fundraisers. A lot of us, some of us call them investors. I think that's, that's wise, but whatever moniker you put on it, you know, these are all, all, these are all elements of running that social change, social impact, Business. I guess maybe I would put social change in capital letters and then business would be regular font. But Tony, I, I don't, if, if I may really quickly, and then I think Allison's probably got some pretty important things to say. I don't disagree with you, but I do think as an observer, having been in many places, including now at the head of a nonprofit, John referred to hierarchy. And I think there is a, a hierarchy out there. I think the world kind of sees there's there's a business which has a great deal of wisdom and power, and then there's this sector of do-gooders. And I, I think we should take the lessons we can take for the business sector, but we're not businesses. And I, and I think we got to be a little bit careful of, I, I, I hear the refrain often, well, business just does this, business does this, but you know, business has a $62 billion budget behind it, and a different outcome. So maybe it's the social impact business. I don't know. But I think we got to be careful about assuming that the way we can be the most effective is to emulate business. We have got to reframe how we are thought of as leaders and how we are, the expectations, and I think it comes back to a, lot, a few things that were said. You know, the fact that we are different, we're urgent, urgently filling gaps that other places are not. And so we are not like a, I came many years in the commercial media business. It's not the same business. There's so many functions that could be applied in here to, and one of them was the other thing that Sarah said is trust. You should trust me as a leader for the fiduciary and you should expect big thinking. You should expect that I am handling the money in the way that I should. And you should ha expect that I am and empower me to think big and big vision as to where this organization needs to go. That's the kind of stuff we need to bring from more commercial sectors because that sort of nanny state of like, 
we'll give you the money if it's only used within a certain context. And then like that is just, we don't do it for our grantees. I don't want it done for us. (laughs) And that has to change because, and then look, if if I don't hold up my end of the bargain, then that's obviously that's a separate conversation. Do you know what I mean? But that sort of like level of exchange is fully expected in corporate or, you know, for-profit sector. It's not as well infused here. So anyway, I, I, I add that. And I think it tied to the board question, which was one of your final questions, you know, that, that should be an expectation and clear, and it should not just be for the fiduciary responsibility of the, you know, pushing those dollars out. It should also be like, you need to think big and think for the future for this organization to make the change we want to see. Well said. That's great. Okay, so why don't we give the last thoughts of Sarah? Why don't you go give your last thoughts on this? A lot. <laughs> last thoughts. I mean, so many things which we could be here that couple of hours. But you know, a board, right? I love when the board truly really reflects the community that they serve, right? Because there is a beautiful opportunity for nonprofit leaders to really lead with a deep understanding of the community needs, right? So, you know, in the different organizations that I have been part of, we always push profits to really bring medical because you need those voices at the board level and at the leadership staff level. Final thought. That's great. Love it. Okay, why don't we go next to Tony? Last thoughts. Rob, thank you so much for really, and thanks to all my, the work that we're doing, you know, and I, I don't, I, I just lose sight of that, you know, the, the passion. That, that someone, I think may have been Joan mentioned, you know, yes, passion is, passion moves people, passion and vision bring people to your cause. They're, they are stakeholders or employees, employees are stakeholders, whatever level of stakeholder they are, you know, that kind of, that commitment to the work and that leadership vision, and hopefully that vision trickles down to everyone, that, that is what's going to bring people to you and it's going to help you build those relationships that I, I think are, are, are so important. Thanks again, everybody. Absolutely. Well said. Joan, what are your last thoughts here? I talked about the treasures in the darkness of the pandemic and for me was not, it had to be nimble and they had to innovate, right? They didn't ask questions. They didn't ask permission. They just made it happen. And boards, boards did not actually thwart that. And for me, for organizations that are in the business of change and changing the world and changing the circumstances for marginalized communities and the host of folks that we serve, they deserve nothing less than innovation, right? They deserve nothing less than this idea that we come from a place of abundance, which to their board to move them so that we we do right by the people and the communities that we serve. Love it. Well said. Well, Gail, you have the last word here. Well, like everybody said, like I would just, uh, those are all such good points. And as I, as I listen to them and think about this has been a wonderful conversation, we should do it again, or what is, it is that secret sauce of purpose and mission. It is people who are willing to, take the lower salaries and work the longer hours for the profit of social change and the betterment of their communities or people they will ever see. It's also a, a sector that suffers from structural dependence. And those are contradictory. And I think figuring out how to overcome that requires two things. One is up to 
all the ideals we need to have to have fair, transparent, effective organizations, serve our staffs well, have strong foundations, not lose the money, all those kinds of things. But at the same time, I think it's a, it's a greater collective self-confidence and assertion that if this sector disappeared, the world would be in a whole lot of trouble. Every community that everybody lives in would be in a whole lot of trouble. The world would be a lot less fair, a lot less productive, and a lot more dangerous than it is now. And we've got to bring that forward. I mean, Allison was talking about the sort of deal. Bring that forward and figure out, okay, yeah, we're dependent, but they have do-gooders out there dancing in the street. Without this sector, we will all suffer and pay. And we've got to figure out a way to translate that, not in the slightly agitated way I just communicated it, but in an affirmative way so that we reduce our dependency, I think, and increase, I don't want to say our marketability, our our investment. Tony, you're right. I think using the word investment. Thank you. I mean, all of you, this has been a phenomenal conversation. I agree with you, Gail, that we got to do this again and bring everyone back together somehow or even do it live would be fun. But thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for all you're doing to benefit the sector that we're in. I like the idea. Maybe the next conversation we have is rebranding the sector and then improving how we lead. So thank you again for all you're doing and appreciate your time today. Hey, friends. Well, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to other podcasts. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will actually help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. You can also join the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast community, find other resources and interviews of past guests all on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Well, thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.